Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast, where we go deep on the sport of gravel cycling through in-depth interviews with product designers, event organizers, and athletes who are pioneering the sport. I'm your host, Craig Dalton, a lifelong cyclist who discovered gravel cycling back in 2016 and made all the mistakes you don't need to make. I approach each episode as a beginner to unlock all the knowledge you need to become a great gravel cyclist. This week we're coming to you live from the expo at Big Sugar Gravel in Bentonville, Arkansas. I had the great pleasure of attending the event this past weekend and got to connect with a number of athletes as well as many members of the gravel cycling community who were displaying their wares in the expo. This episode is brought to you by my friends at Lifetime, as well as Verde Brand Communications. I could not have made the trip to Bentonville, Arkansas without their support, so greatly appreciate that and getting to ride the Little Sugar event. The gravel in Bentonville, particularly this year with dry conditions, was on the technical side. A bit loose, a lot of punchy climbs, but fast, punchy descents, which made it interesting, particularly in the beginning portions of the event when there were greater riders around you. I had a hell of a lot of fun. I had a great setup. I had my unicorn with a rock shock up front, 45C tires on a 700C wheel set. So felt super confident. As usual, I was kind of rocking the descents and suffering on the climbs. As it turns out, the wind was one of the biggest factors out there at Big Sugar. Super heavy winds, which made riding in a group super advantageous throughout the event. I felt fortunate that I was able to roll out at the front of the peloton. And during one particular choke point, uh, really early on in the event, I was able to get through with a bunch of the faster riders, which separated me way out ahead of the vast majority of people. Similarly, I was able to work together with a number of small groups throughout the day, so I didn't feel like I spent a lot of unfair time out there on the wind on my own. So it was a lot of fun. I ended up feeling like I was racing the whole day and ended up in the top 10% of riders out there. So that was a pretty good accomplishment for the lack of fitness I feel like I have at this point. Anyway, I wanted to share some of the conversations I had in the expo with you, so I put them all together in this episode. I hope you enjoy. I'll be back talking to some of the athletes at Big Sugar, as well as Lifetime, to understand with the culmination of the year-long series, the Grand Prix, uh, how do they feel, what's in store for next year, etc. So you're going to see me jump around from interview to interview. I hope you'll bear with me, but with that... Let's dive right into the expo interviews in Big Sugar in Bentonville, Arkansas. Michael McNair, I work for American Bicycle Group with Obid. Nice, and we've got a couple different model Obids here. Can you tell us about what we're looking at today? Yeah, man, right here we've got our Obed Boundary, which is like our adventure frame, um, up against our GVR, which is the, the race version. How do you, when when advising a customer who comes to the site to choose between the two, what are the kind of things you're asking them to think about to decide between the models? Well, ultimately, what are they going to be doing with their bike? Um, if they're looking for something that's an all-around, off-road bike uh, for adventure packing or ultra racing, we'll send them in the direction of maybe the, the boundary here. And will the boundary, does it have a bigger tire size capacity or something that will like sort of enable that more bike packy type experience? It does. Both of these frames, I think, will take the same tire size, right? boundary has a little bit more tire. A little more clearance on the boundary. Okay. 
uh, versus the GVR. And the GVR, that's the newer model from you guys, right? Yes. And that's a more race-oriented bike? We just debuted this one at Unbound this year. And a few of us got to hop on and race it and had a great time out there. Nice. I had your colleague Brad on the podcast for a deeper interview about the bike earlier this year. And one of the things that's evident in the booth that, that Brad brought up was sort of the ability to customize it from a paint job perspective. Can you talk a little bit about the options that customers have? Absolutely. Really unlimited options on the paint scheme. Uh, you can pick your decal colors. You can change the fork color. Uh, for an upcharge, we can paint any color you like. And we've had some pretty cool bikes come through the, the line there. Amazing. And are you doing that painting in-house? We are. Everything happens in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, we'll paint whatever color you like. What kind of turnaround does it take to, you know, if I order one on the site to get a custom painted bike? We're looking at three weeks right now for a custom paint job that might push it a little bit farther. But uh, we're cranking them out pretty fast. Got it. Yeah, I can see me being someone who has several different versions in the cart, struggling to figure out which color combination I want. Oh, for sure. A lot of times people come up here and they say, I want to see one in, in the flesh for the first time because they've done it online so many times and picked so many different color schemes. That it's nice to see one in person. 100%. Thanks yeah. for the overview. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, guys, can you both introduce yourself and tell me the company you're with? Kuat, Brad Huff. I spent a lot of time looking at my Kuat rack at home, but this is not my Kuat rack. Tell me about this one in front of me. No, this one is not. This one is the new Piston Pro X that has an air actuator Kashima coated uh, system that able to sandwich the bikes in there, I like to say. Um, really holds the bike in tight. Uh, two arms that do a touchless system that uh, really squeeze the bike from a fat bike all the way down to a skinny road bike or gravel bikes in between. I mean, it is the ultimate rack. It has plug-in LEDs, so it's safe no matter where you're at on the road. And that's, that's it. That was a very satisfying sound. And for the listener, obviously, it's a little bit complicated to visualize. But in my rack, I'm just pulling a bar over the front wheel and pushing it down. And on this particular one, you've got uh, sort of arms on either side that you pull on both sides of the front and rear wheel. Correct, correct. So it's a two-arm system that squeezes in on the tires. That's why I kind of call the bike, bike sandwich there. And it's literally a one-tap system. You don't even have to use your hands. Sometimes I use my foot to tap it. And then it squeezes right in with, these, with the piston air actuator that ratchets in, holds it tight. Uh, it is the, the, the marquee rack that Kuat has right now. And... Uh, you can get it at any bike shop, REI, e-trailer, wherever you need it. Right on. It looks like you can adjust it for wheel sizes to fit a myriad of dimensions. Right. So it can go from a 2.9er 700C all the way down to an 18-inch. It'll handle a 67-pound e-bike with, with fenders on it. Uh, pretty much the most universal rack on the market. can handle a fat bike, can handle anything you, you put to it can handle a mullet setup. I can have a different size on the front exactly. and rear. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you have a mullet up top, mullet on the, on the back, you know, party in the back just like a mullet is, you can do it there. Tell me about how the lighting works on this. So it's a flat four, four pin that plugs into the tow package of a vehicle. So brake lights, tail lights, daytime running lights, blinkers, whatever you do in the car that you see in your tail lights, it would be illuminated on this rack. It has a... Two, two LEDs that illuminate, and if you get the add-ons, you get another set of LEDs that illuminate. We're looking at a two-bike setup here. Is it expandable? It is expandable, yeah. You can do a three-bike or a four-bike, so you'd be able to take all your friends. And then if you'd go, uh, can you do it, is it a double setup add-on, or can you do one at a time and add up to four? You can't do it one at a time. You can either go three or four. That's the standard, um, just for a structural integrity reason. Gotcha. And this is, is this rack available now in the marketplace? You can, you can order it today. 
okay. or go into any local bike shop and they probably have it. Awesome. Thanks for that overview. Thank you. All right, can I get your name and company? Yeah, it's Joel Saloff with Rotor Bike Components. Right on, Joel. Can you walk us through a little bit about what Rotor's all about here in the gravel community? So Rotor is a Spanish manufacturer of cranks and drivetrain components. We're well known for our cranks, power meters, and our new uh, 1x13 group set. Uh, Rotor's been at it since the mid-90s. Uh, we make everything in-house in Madrid and uh, do all yeah, everything start to finish, design and engineering right there in-house so we can uh, rapidly design, prototype, and check out product as we go. Uh, leads to a really cool industrial look for aluminum and carbon crank sets that end up being you know, super stiff, bomb-proof, and pretty cool. Bomb-proof sounds like it's needed for this weekend in Bentonville. Yeah, it's, uh, reports sound like it's going to be real bumpy out there. I haven't gotten much rain, and it's uh, real washboardy and real sharp rocks. Everybody's happy the sun's been shining because the last three years this weekend it's been raining, but it's going to have a, a, some unintended consequences. Yeah, it sounds like there might be a nasty headwind for that last 20 miles, so we'll have to see how it goes out there. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously we're not able to show this beautiful bike in front of me, but when, we, when we're talking about a drivetrain, we're actually talking about shifters, derailers, cassette, everything. So can you talk about how the drivetrain is powered? Like, how do we shift? Yeah. So the 1x13 is a hydraulically actuated drivetrain. So it's an actually mechanical derailleur that is using a hydraulic line to push it through its ranges. So that derailleur will shift through all 13 of our gears. It's dedicated 1x setup and can be paired with any of our four 13-speed cassettes, but it can also be run on 12-speed cassettes, which is a pretty neat feature. So it opens up a huge range of cassette and gearing options. Rotor offers in the 13-speed four different cassette ranges, all using a 10-tooth lower cog, and have the options of 36, 39, 46, or all the way up to 52-tooth for your big cog. Uh, and that can be paired with any one of our one-by rings, which we offer ranging from 26 up to 54 teeth in two-tooth jumps. And if I'm, if I'm installing one of these drivetrains on my bike, do I have to have, have any special considerations in terms of my wheel set, in terms of what, how the cassette will fit onto my wheels? The 13-speed cassette is going to use Rotor's hub, still using an HG free hub, but the drive side flange and free hub are shifted inboard about three millimeters to accommodate that 10-tooth cog on that traditional HG free hub. And if I'm looking at a 12-speed setup, it's a little bit different? Yep, the 12-speed, not only will it work with SRAM or Shimano cassettes, uh, we have our range as well. They use an 11-tooth lower cog uh, and will fit any HG free hub body out there. Right on. And how do you talk about kind of the, the durability of a hydraulic shifting line versus a mechanical wired line? Yeah, the cool thing with the hydraulic line, you know, there's there's no batteries to charge, or in my case, forget forget to charge. Um, and with the uh, you know with removing the heavy steel cable and housing, you're also removing any chance for contamination, rust, and wear. So you get that same consistent shift over and over. Now, no matter how many years of uh, big sugar rain you have to ride through. Right on. Thanks for that overview. No problem. Happy to happy to chat today. Can I get your name and company? Yeah, I'm Tanner I'm, or Hot Sauce, either one you want to call me. I'm with Storyteller Overland. We're an uh, adventure van manufacturer out of Birmingham, Alabama. And we've got a very large adventure van in front of us right now. It is. So we build this on the Sprinter, the Mercedes Sprinter 144 chassis. Uh, and we also build on the Ford Transit chassis as well. Uh, we pretty much 
buy those direct and kind of turn them into this uh, really awesome layout on the inside that gives you a bunch of different configurations and, and open space that you can do several different things, store bikes and uh, storage boxes, all kinds of stuff. So when a customer comes to you, first off, tell me how a customer comes to you. Yeah, so a few different avenues. Um, a lot of people, we do a lot of different shows across the country throughout the year, um, from RV shows to adventure van shows and overland shows to awesome gravel bike events like this. So um, this one, uh, we did the one in Kansas, and Unbound. So this one, uh, you'll, they'll come to us at shows. They'll find us online, but we sell through a dealership network across the country. A little flies over here. Uh, so across the country, we have dealerships and mainly RV dealerships that sell our products. So uh, they'll typically go to a dealership and place an order and then, you know, make that purchase through that. As, as we're thinking about placing an order, am I given the ability to configure it for my lifestyle as a gravel racer, for example? So not necessarily, but we try to kind of give everybody, you know, whatever layout that you want. So we uh, do one layout, one floor plan on all four of our models um, from the transit up to the, the sprinter. Um, one layout, but it configures so in the back you have a garage area where it opens up, uh, your bed folds up, and you can store you know three to four bikes in the back if you wanted to. Or if, with especially with our beast mode here, you could put a bike rack on the back. So we try to kind of configure everybody's lifestyle into what we do. Gotcha. And is the Transit a little bit smaller of a chassis? It's actually not. No, so it's a 148 uh, wheelbase. So it's about the same size as the as the uh, Mercedes here. Um, you do get a little more headroom in it. So it's about a probably a few more inches of height. Gotcha. And I noticed a back seat in there. Is that a, is that a proper back seat with a seat belt that you can have? Yeah. So we call that our groove lounge. So with that right now, uh, I guess you can't really see it on there, but right now it's set into a uh, lounge mode, but it also folds up into a bench seat and we call that drive mode. So you can set or seat two passengers on that. Yeah. Gotcha. I know in my investigation of vans, a lot of times when they're conversions, there's never a back seat. Right. And if you've got a family, like that's a no-go. That's right. So that's another thing, too. You know, we try to give that, that open space. So you have seating. And typically, if you want to go with seating in a lot of vans, you lose uh, sleeping space. But with this, so that folds up. And you can see that we typically you'll have a shower, like a full hollow shower, a fiberglass shower, or a wet bath. We actually fold our shower into a cabinet there. So that folds down from the top. And you have a shower pan underneath. So you still get four seating and then a shower as well. That's unbelievable. I mean, what we're looking at is a cabinet in the upper part of the, the back of the van with a shower head. And you're saying we can shower right in there and it drains right out of the bottom? Heck yeah. So you got actually have a gray tank that it drains to. So you have a 24-gallon gray tank that holds your water and your wastewater. And so you have a 21-gallon freshwater tank. So you can just like go off grid. That's our whole thing is being able to take this wherever you want. So we use a 12-kilowatt lithium energy system. So that gives you the capability to actually go off-grid and use your AC and use your uh, cooktop and, and lights and everything like that for a large amount of time. So, Are you rolling out into the backcountry then with stored energy and a battery, or are you, you configuring it with solar panels? So you have one solar panel. It's a 95-watt solar panel, but your main life is going to be from that, uh, that energy system. So it's a, all lithium, 12 kilowatts. So you can go out, run it, and you have a second alternator that charges while you drive. So it uh, definitely helps out on that aspect. Cool. Thanks for the overview, Hot Sauce. Hey, absolutely. Take care. All right. Can I get your name and company? Hey, I'm Michael Potter with BikeFlights.com. Good to see you, Michael. What are you doing here in Bentonville? Uh, we're here to expo and enjoy the scenery of, of not just the mountain bike trails, but also the Big Sugar Gravel event for the Lifetime Series. Right on. Can you? Many of the listeners are going to be uh, familiar with your service, but can you give a high level? I know you offer, you're offering a lot of new things these days. Absolutely. So as of this year, we now offer four different bike box sizes. 
Um, but primarily we're a bicycle shipping service uh, for bikes, wheels, and gear. So what does that look like? I'm coming here to Big Sugar. I'm home in, home in my home in California. What do I need to do to work with bike flights? Yeah, so specifically for the Big Sugar Gravel event, we partnered with the Meteor Cafe to be a, uh, a location where you can ship to and from the event through our website and the event shipping guide. Uh, we'll provide shipping labels to get it transported uh, to that location. You can have them build it up, and then your bike is ready to roll as soon as you get to town. I know you offer a bunch of different boxes that are designed to be used multiple times. Still made out of cardboard, but I've had one in my hand. They're super well constructed. Is the typical bike flights consumer kind of acquiring a bike from a uh, sorry a box from their local bike shop, or are, are people you know grabbing one of your boxes? It's a variety. You know, a lot of folks are going to. Uh, resource their their boxes from a local bike shop and if they can that's fantastic we can ship those now if you can't of course we do have four different bikes bo box sizes to accommodate a wide variety of, of bikes and are there any sort of regulations on how I pack my own bike there's certainly some some good tips of the trade um, you know padding it protecting your wheels uh, and ensuring there's no movement inside the box. I would say those are sort of the three main components I would stress. Right on. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for what you do. All right. Thank you. Okay. Can I get your name and the company? Yeah. My name is Colton Aninko and I'm with Allied Cycle Works. Right on. What's it like inviting the cycling community to Bentonville this weekend? It's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, I mean, I did grow up here and growing into the cycling industry, you know, through the last 15 years. So seeing all these people for an event of this size in my hometown where, you know, there was almost nothing to do when I was a kid is just kind of full circle and, and a little bit mind blowing. And given Allied's present here, presence here in town, it must also be equally kind of inspiring and exciting to show off what you guys do. Exactly. Yeah, it's been great having, you know, factory tours and getting to see a lot of customers that I've get, got to know over the phone uh, and see them in person. And just to see how many people are coming from so far away to this event is huge for our community and, and really exciting to, to get locals behind the sport as well. Since you've got such deep local knowledge, which of the allied bikes we're looking at behind you would you recommend for a big sugar course? I would go with the Able for this one. Uh, you know, the Able's are tried and true full gravel bike. It's got a nice slack head angle, uh, which is huge around here because it's very fast and steep. And the downhills, you just don't have to hit the brakes too often. So that coupled with the bigger clearance, because this year it's been really, really rough. Uh, a lot of our dirt got kind of blown away with a little bit of a drought we've had. So uh, it a big, big, you know, as as big of your tire uh, that you can fit in a frame is ideal right now. Um, and then the, the slack head angle has just been ideal for the rough descents. What size tire would you throw on the Able if you were out there tomorrow? I'd be running the 42C probably, 42 to 45 um, is, is kind of the sweet spot. 40 really is what I feel like is the minimum, uh, bare minimum. So yeah, somewhere around the 42, 43 range. And do you see local riders running a mullet setup with a larger tire in the front ever? A little bit, yeah. Just with you know clearance availability and a lot of older frames, uh, it, it definitely happens. I used to run a 45 in the front and a 40 in the rear when I had a frame that wouldn't work with both. So yeah, it's it's a nice way to take a little bit of the the vibration off your hands. Right on. Well, thanks for inviting us all to Bentonville, and thanks for sharing a few words about Allied. No problem. Thanks for coming. Okay, can I get your name and company? My name is Andrew Head with Head Cycling Products. Right on, Andrew. 
Good to see you here in Bentonville. All these beautiful head products behind you. What's your recommendation for a wheel set, knowing what you know about the terrain here in Bentonville for Big Sugar? Yeah, absolutely. We designed the product called Emporia for specifically for events like this. It came after our long-standing history of the Belgium series, but we made it wider and brought it into the marketplace and named it Emporia. So we have a carbon and an alloy version of that product. Great. And sort of what kind of tire size are you recommending your riders kind of look at for this kind of weekend? Yeah, tire size, uh, really with the wide rim, uh, you know, you can go as wide as you can fit in your frame. Uh, 38s, 40, uh, you can go pretty much what you're comfortable with. Uh, just remember to keep those volumes low. Yeah. Yeah. Is that due to the kind of chunky rocks that I've been hearing about out there? Yes, absolutely. Those chunky rocks, you got to watch out for those. Uh, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting time out there. Do you have a bunch of athletes out there on the, on the product this weekend? Yeah, we have uh, a few showing up. I'm uh, I'll keep you posted on who's racing. Okay, right on. Thanks for the update, Andrew. Good to see you. Yeah, sounds great. Good luck. Can I get your name and company? So this is Mike Gann. I'm with uh, Look and Cream USA. Mike, good to see you. When I walked over here to your booth at Big Sugar. I was kind of drawn in by all these off-road pedals. And as I just mentioned to you, I've kind of lost the thread of look pedals on the off-road side. So I'd love to get a little bit of overview for the listener. Sure, sure. So, you know, the the line has been revamped now for a couple years, and we've gone to a SPD-compatible system. So previously we had our own designs on binding and cleat system, but we've moved to an SPD-compatible system. It's a different patent, but the cleats are cross-compatible. So our cleats, their pedals, vice versa. Uh, we make the series in a couple different formats. We kind of start with a cross country or a gravel style um, pedal body, which is uh, looks like your normal dual sided cross country clipless pedal. Uh, we kind of do a series from aluminum that starts at about 60. We move into uh, what we call a race, which is a resin body pedal uh, at 95. Carbon, uh, we change the body from resin to carbon, goes up to 145, and then carbon tie at the sort of pinnacle. So. Really, if you're looking for that lightest, best pedal, we've got that in the cross-country format. And then additional to that, we have make some trail or more cage-style clipless pedals, dual-sided dual pedals, for folks that either want a little bit more of a base to stand on, maybe they ride in a shoe that's a little more flexible, or they're going to ride in a tennis shoe every once in a while, or they're riding an enduro or a more aggressive format, and they want that ability to really drive the bike with the pedal. Right on. When I'm looking at this section of pedals, kind of the more traditional gravelly pedals, as I go up, obviously, we're changing materials, we're decreasing in weight. Do I notice any kind of performance differences between the models as we go into the higher end? So an important part of what we do is that we test and design every pedal to meet the same safety criteria. <clears throat> no weight limitations, uh, nothing like that. So we test about 130, 140% of uh, ISO, which is our sort of safety requirements. But as you move up, uh, you're getting better materials, which typically means we can make a lighter pedal uh, with the same safety. Um, the bearings don't change, but then the axle material may change. So as you go from the basic to the tie, you're getting an upgraded axle, but the bearing quality and the ability to service the pedal doesn't change throughout the whole line. Right on. And I think you mentioned this. I mean, it's pretty hard, it sounds like, to recommend a pedal tomorrow. I think if you were at the pointy end of the race, obviously, you'd be going for weight. But if you're spending a long day out there, something with more of a platform might even make sense. Yeah, the, the folks that are a little bit more nervous about their footing or unsure about it than the 
the Enrage, which has that platform body, might be a good choice. But for most gravel riders, something in the the uh, sort of cross-country gravel style, dual-sided pedal is going to be perfectly fine. Right on. Thanks for that overview. All right. Thanks, man. Can I get your name and company? Uh, Jeremy Hutzel. work for Lauf Cycling based out of Reykjavik, Iceland. Right on, Jeremy. Can we talk about the model? I think you released it this year. Uh, yeah, the Segla is our new model. got released uh, April 12th or April 11th this year. And what's that, what's that all about? Is it a carbon bike, an aluminum bike? Uh, the Segla is a carbon fiber bike. It's basically the new updated version of our True Grit, which was our original bike released in uh, 2017. Uh, customers really liked the way the fork worked and added compliance to the front of the frame, uh, but they felt that the back end was a little rigid. So this is addressing that. Um, we've got a lot more compliance with the frame design. And then people also wanted to run bigger tires, so we can actually put up to a 29 by 2.25 mountain bike tire on the frame if you want to go wide. Wow, that is big. I like that. Yeah, if, uh, you know, the riders that want to stay with a traditional tire, 38, 40 millimeter, 42 millimeter, uh, then they get massive amounts of clearance. Yeah, I was out there on a shakeout ride today here in Bentonville, and you know the roads are, are quite rocky, particularly on the descents. And I was running a suspension fork, and I looked over at my neighbor, and he was running the Lauf. And I think we were the the guys who were smiling the most and least nervous going down one of those hills. Can you talk a little bit about the fork and how it might perform here in a place like Bentonville? So the fork is designed um, more of a vibration damper um, that has suspension travel. It's got 30 millimeters of travel. Uh, but ultimately it takes up the high frequency vibrations you get off the gravel. Um, it's a progressive spring rate, so out of the saddle, climbing or sprinting, you're not going to lose you know, power. It's not going to you know, bob through all the um, travel. Um, but it, it, it takes a lot of the edge off. It helps with fatigue over long you know, hours, long miles. Um, and most importantly, it, it offers control, being able to suspend the front wheel as opposed to just suspending the rider with a, a stem, a suspension stem or handlebar setup. So more comfort, more control, lot lighter weight. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, your point about, you know, it's going to be a long day out there. It's going to be a lot, a lot of vibration coming out of the terrain here and around Bentonville. So I do suspect that the riders on the Lauf Fork are going to be a little bit happier and a little bit less fatigued over the long haul. It's going to be... a definitely a plus um, hitting the rough stuff especially at the bottom of the descents um, they're going to get a lot more forgiveness than the guys on the rigid fork that are just going to get beat to death right on thanks for that overview you're welcome can i get your name and company this is chris feebeg with pinarello us chris we got a lot of beautiful pinarello bikes around us right now but tomorrow's big sugar big event rough terrain here in bentonville what are you recommending for your team, for yourself, for your pros to be riding this weekend? Well, they're all going to be on our Pinarello Gravel, which is our new version this year. Uh, the new version has integrated cable routing, a better geometry for gravel. Um, and gear-wise, um, right now we released the bike with Campy Ekar, but our riders will be riding their whatever you know brand that they they are you know, riding. So I'm not sure what the setup is going to be this time. I know they switch back and forth between one by and two by and slick tires, you know, knobby tires, a whole different thing, but they will be on the MY23 gravel. Yeah. For the, for this new gravel that's been launched, what is the tire size capacity of the frame? 
Uh, the, the new Gravel F basically will be compatible with a 700 by 47 and also a 650 by 2.2. Right on. Yep. Yep. Plenty, right. plenty of room for all this meaty gravel we have out here in Bentonville. Exactly, and, and the bike's awesome. The geometry doesn't really change a lot, switching back to a 650 and a 700C. Um, I ride, you know, East Coast gravel, which is steep and a lot of climbs descending. I throw 650s on a lot, and it's, it handles perfectly. So Nice. I think we're going to – I'm rooting for my boy, local boy, Brennan Wirtz, to be at the front of the pack, so hopefully we'll see uh, Pinarello bikes yeah. in, the, in the front there. Yeah, we're rooting for uh, Brennan, too. Hopefully he won't let us down. Hopefully he'll be up front and uh, can't miss him. <laughs> can't, can definitely can't miss him. <laughs> yeah. If I could ever pedal that fast, yeah. he would be a great guy to draft behind. <laughs> yeah, I love riding behind him. I can actually see under him. I'm so short. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thanks for the overview, man. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right. Can I get your name and company? Yes, yeah, Chris Brown here with Lightspeed Titanium Bikes. Right on, Chris. You got a couple different models here, but I'm, I'm pretty. My eyes pretty attracted to this guy. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, yeah. So we've got a, what we're looking at right now is the Ultimate G2. It's the evolution of our Ultimate uh, line. We have a road bike uh, version of it, gravel bike version of it. This is the G2, so it's the evolution of it. And what we did here is this is our highest performance uh, kind of race oriented gravel bike. Um, we've got uh, multiple facets of shaped and manipulated and cold work tubing to enhance the aerodynamics, the ride quality, and the uh, and reduce the weight. So we uh, got really capable, really good capabilities on tire size as well. We increased the tire clearance to even go up to a 47 or 48 tire if we're getting into some really chunky stuff um, with some new uh, CNC machined um, chainstay, uh, chainstay yokes and also uh, some new cable routing as well, to all, all, keeping it all super clean and through the frame on this new model. Kept in the geometry, keeping the geometry pretty tight in the rear triangle with uh, about 42 and a half uh, uh, chainstays. And, uh, and in the front, it's actually an updated geometry with a little longer reach with a slightly slacker head angle. Um, so it's, you don't get uh, quite as much kind of, uh, like kind of wheel pull in the, in the corner. So it's really, really stable and uh, great bike for, uh, for this event here, Big Sugar Unbound, you know, as well. Right on. Yeah, I noticed kind of the shaped tubes, and I remember back in the early days of that Ultimate Road Bike, how pronounced that shaped tube was and how a, kind of a, a hallmark of the light speed process it was. Yeah, we've always been known for our tube enhancements, and uh, and it's all it's all cycling specific. You know, we don't do it just for like looks, even though they do look cool. It's really designed for particular areas of stiffness at the bottom bracket shell, stiffness at the head tube. You know, different areas where the bike's really under load, um, not just not just you know not just for uh, for the aesthetics. And uh, yeah, it's always kind of been a been a staple. And the fun thing we're we're getting to now on, on this bike that we're looking at is, is a lot of different color options and these Cerakote paint options where you can you can even add a little more pizzazz to your tie bike and and have matching headset paint and seat collar and and down tube and it's a real nice uh uh option we also offer anodizing options so you can kind of spice it up a little bit and the cool thing about it is you still have all the dur you know the nice titanium you know durability of not worrying about uh you know you're really denting or damaging your frame from uh rocks flying up out you know when you're in the race and and whatnot so Right on. Yeah, it's, it's a great looking bike. And I was particularly drawn to that yoke solution because I know with, with metal and titanium, getting that increased tire size on the rear end without extending those stays quite far 
can be a design challenge. Can you talk a little bit about the, the process of developing that yoke and what it yields? Yeah, it's funny. I think you guys had uh, Brad Devaney, our head designer, on not too long ago. And, and that was one of the biggest things. We, uh, what we did there is, uh, it, it, obviously, you all can't look at it here, but you can see it on site. It's a, it's a machine uh, titanium chainstay yoke. And we also dropped the chainstay a little bit. So those actually are subtly dropped asymmetrically to give us more chainring clearance and, uh, and tire clearance. And so it allows us to make a thinner, instead of having a tube to that area that's you know going to be a larger diameter, we can use a little thinner CNC machined plate to allow more clearance there and yet still have the stiffness we need in the, in the rear triangle and keep those chain stays super tight as far as lengthwise, like you said, because a lot of companies just lengthen it trying to find a solution there on that chain ring and tire clearance. So. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned it being a drop stay, and a lot of us are, are familiar with drop stays from carbon bikes, which are super pronounced, but it's incredibly subtle. Yeah, exactly. We didn't get extreme there or do any weird jaggedness where you're welding other tubes or such. It's enough that we enough that get us the tire clearance and chain ring, chain ring goals we were after without adding a bunch of weight or doing anything that's that might lead to a, a weak a weak point. And uh, and so yeah, it is. It is. It is very subtle and it's something we worked worked uh, worked real hard on. And uh, yeah, we're we're really pleased with how it turned out. Can you talk a little bit about the uh, seat tube junction where the stays come in? Yeah, it's unique to this bike. Um, you don't see any of our other bikes, so it's um, uh, it's it's what we're calling our tyranny lock system, and uh, and and it's a drop stay design. And what it what goals of it were adding increased lateral stiffness in the rear triangle. Um, so uh, so so we actually had the, the CCs actually go up through the seat tube into the top tube. And there's a weld point there, so it increases the lateral stiffness in the rear triangle, and also gives us a cleaner way to route the tubes, uh, the, the the cables through the top tube, and then down through that seat stay to keep it all clean. So it's a performance uh, performance goal there, and a uh, and a, an aesthetic goal. Right on. Thanks for that overview. It's a great-looking bike. Hey, I appreciate it, and uh, yeah, good luck to anybody that's racing this weekend. Can I get your name and company? Uh, hi, I'm uh, Aaron Stevenson. I'm with Kenda USA. Aaron, can you walk us through some of the gravel tires you got here in Bentonville? Sure can, absolutely. Um, so on the smoother end of the spectrum, we have the Fortitude. And the I'm going to make the assumption that the Fortitude is not what we're recommending today. So, no, no. The Fortitude, in my opinion, um, is a little lacking on the tread side. Um, it would be better suited for leather gravel in Colorado, um, something in Southern California, or if you just like all-out speed in your tire. Yeah. That makes sense. Now we're getting to the more knobby category. Yep. Let's, uh, let's shoot straight for the booster here. The booster comes right from our cross-country lineup. Um, really nice side knobs, tons of braking power, um, but it's still surprisingly fast. And what, what sizes is that available? Or, or is the entire range available in the same sizes? We, we try to keep it pretty simple. Uh, 35 mil, 40 mil, and 45 mil, uh, all in 700C. We also have 650B by 45 in most of our lineup as well. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And then we go into the Flint Ridge, which is what most folks will see from Kenda at um, races like Unbound. Um, anything that is sharper gravel, more aggressive, um, something where you need a little bit more protection. Um, so that's the Flint Ridge. It's been in our lineup the longest too, I think five, seven years, something like that. Got it. And then the tire that most of our athletes are running throughout the year, probably about 90% of the time, is the Kenda Alluvium. Um, this one will be a uh, file tread center, 
with a really, really nice side knob on it. So it's got tons of confidence in the corners still, but with a super fast rolling uh, center knob on it. Have you gotten any input from your athletes who are here in Bentonville around what tire they're choosing for the weekend? Yeah, for the most part, it is the Alluvium. Um, yep, they still want the speed, um, but they are going with the more protected tire. So it's GCT in our case. Uh, it's got a full bead to bead flat protection because we're finding there is tons of potholes out there and some really chunky stuff that we have to watch out for. Now, is that is that uh, thicker casing an option or is that something that's par for the course in all the tires? Uh, Yes and no. Par for the course throughout the tires, um, but we also have a TR version, so that's the ultra lightweight version with no added flat protection. But uh, frankly, most of the time, if anybody comes up to me, I'm always recommending more flat protection because nobody wants to get a flat on course. And obviously, like the professional end of the field makes different decisions. They're looking for high performance and speed. Is there a different choice you would make for a recreational athlete in a, in a place like Bentonville? Uh, sure, sure. Um, really, it comes down to confidence and handling and, and your ability. If you want a little bit more braking power, definitely go up to the booster or the Flint Ridge. They, going downhill, they track straighter and they, they have more braking power going to the bottom. Right on. Thanks for that overview. Yep. You're absolutely welcome. Can I get your name and company? Uh, Joan Hanscom from BMC. Thanks, Joan, and welcome back to the podcast. Oh, it's great to be back, and it's nice to meet you in person. Absolutely. We've got a beautiful BMC bike that I referenced on the podcast a few weeks ago, but I want to hear it in your words. What do we got here? Um, I like to call it the new hotness um, because it is uh, the, our new hot thing. It's turning a lot of heads here at Big Sugar. Um, it is the BMC Kaios. It is our race-focused gravel bike, and I think we're starting to see in the market the segmentation into adventure gravel and racing gravel, and this is definitely in the racing gravel camp. Um, it is uh, essentially your your tea machine made for gravel. It's got a, um, a shorter cockpit and a longer top tube to give you essentially your same fit on the bike, but a great feel on gravel and great speed. Um, and it's got the aero cockpit, uh, so it's fast. People are a little nervous about the bars, the 36 on the top, the 42 on the bottom, but I'll tell you, everybody who's ridden it is like, oh wait, I thought I was gonna hate these and I actually love it. And when you pedal the bike on the road, it is rapid. So, and on gravel, um, it, is, it is rapid. Yeah, certainly, it, it, it took me back a bit when I heard the dimensions of the handlebar and felt like that might be a little narrow for me. So it's interesting to, to hear that rider feedback. Yeah, uh, it's, it's really funny. A number of people have straight said to me, I was fully prepared to hate this bike because of the handlebars, and I love it. And so that's the best we could ask. The rider experience is amazing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, everybody knows in the gravel market, like we're on this journey to figure out what's right. And we're going to go wide. We're going to go narrow. We're going to go in between. And you got to figure out what's right. And there's a lot of engineers at BMC that are thinking about this stuff and putting their best foot forward. Yeah, and you know, BMC is all about horses for courses, um, and so you know, this this may not be the the right bike if you're going to go on a mega backpack bike packing adventure, um, but it is the right bike if you're going to go fast on a gravel race, um, and it's also really great on the road. So you know, if you want to have a, a jack of all trades, really great bike that does road and gravel, this is it. But it's also incredibly capable on the gravel, and I think that's owed to the the 44 um, tire clearance. So you get that wide clearance, um, you get the great handling, you get the great compliance, but you also get the speed piece. 
Yeah, I was going to ask about some of the compromises that might have been needed to be made to make this bike what it what it is been realized as. And but 44 millimeter tires, that's not a slouch of a size of tire either. No, not a bit. And it's I mean, our, your listeners are not going to be able to see it, but it was accomplished by this this bit here in the in the down tube um, where they shaped it so that the it could accommodate the wire wider tire clearance um, and so that's one of the differences you'd see between this bike and the team machine um, but yeah it's it's been adapted to gravel and it handles beautifully on the gravel yeah it's super well executed super clean and it looks incredibly fast yeah I, and i can't wait for you to get out and try it awesome thanks john yeah thanks for having me on That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. Big thanks to everybody out there in the expo in Bentonville. I enjoyed talking to you and having you on the show. Big thanks again to Lifetime and Verde Brand Communications for their support, getting me out there to Arkansas. If you're able to support the show, simply visit buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride. If you're interested in connecting with me and other gravel cyclists around the world, feel free to join our global cycling community. The Ridership. That's at www.theridership.com. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.